Welcome to the Tejas Law PLLC podcast and video blog. This show is brought to you by Tejas Law PLLC, a defendant's law firm guiding you to a new beginning. You can email us at service at tejaslaw.com or find us at www.tejaslaw.com. Warning. This show contains live recorded footage. Parental guidance, although not generally necessary, is suggested. All right, welcome to the Teach Us Law Show, where the topics are random, the jokes don't make sense, and your host may not be coherent. Every show is comprised of a 22-minute segment which revolves around a topic drawn randomly from a hat of legal topics. Each guest is given one week to prepare, and we use a rapid-fire method of discussion. Okay, uh, so we are still recording. Welcome to the Tejas Law Show. Uh, this is our first official session. If you're just joining us, uh, we are located in downtown Orlando, literally at 11 North Summerlin Avenue. The, uh, we have a special guest today. His name is Joshua Tejas. He is the owner of our firm. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. Joshua, do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, background? Yeah, I, I started my career in uh, bankruptcy law as an attorney in 2008 when the economy collapsed, uh, especially the, with the housing market. Uh, when it fell fell apart, uh, I decided I really I really enjoyed bankruptcy because it allowed people to get a fresh start and it's a, not a super contentious area of law uh, overall. Okay, so t- tell me, like specifically in bankruptcy, what excites you? What is it that 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 makes your 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 that that uh that wet your whistle i guess is the best way to put it what, what really gets you excited about bankruptcy i like helping people i like being able to for, for a person to come in say i've lost my job or i can't pay my bills or i'm getting sued by a creditor or something like that and being able to help them i feel like a lot of attorneys get a, a bad reputation for taking people's money and not helping them at the end of the day but but uh with bankruptcy our clients really feel like we help them at the end of the day they their case is over their debts are gone and uh, they're able to get their first start. Well, uh, now for our listeners who don't know exactly what bankruptcy is, what is what is bankruptcy? Can you just give us a quick, like a four sentence summary of what is bankruptcy? Bankruptcy is essentially a safety net. It uh, it's a way where a person can go to a court and get a court to discharge or wipe out their debts so that they that they don't have to pay their debts. Now, um, is bankruptcy available to everybody or just general consumers? It's available to it's available to most people and to uh, and to businesses, uh, but depending on the person's income or their net worth, some chapters of bankruptcy might be better for one person than another person. Okay, so like in, in terms of consumers, how does bankruptcy specifically help them? What do you mean? So um, let's say I'm a homeowner. Uh, I'm six months behind my on my mortgage. I've got thousands of dollars in credit card bills. I just lost my job. Um, do I just wake up one morning and yell out my window, I declare bankruptcy? What, what is it? How does this bankruptcy help me? Uh, in a situation like that, a bankruptcy could do a couple of different things, depending on whether the person wants to keep their house, get rid of their house. Uh, if they want to get rid of their house, they could file what's called Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Uh, they don't just yell out their window. They would file a petition with a bankruptcy court. Uh, and then that petition, once once it goes through, a discharge would be granted, wiping out their unsecured debts. But that wouldn't help them in a case where they're trying to save their house. If they're trying to save their house, we'd do a different type of a reorganization chapter of bankruptcy uh, where they can force the bank to let them get current over, over a period of about five years. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is that bankruptcy could save someone's house. Yes. Could you could you describe that process a little bit deeper? Like, uh, 
what is that like a some sort of a shield that goes up in front of your house? How, how does that actually work? Yeah. So um, so bankruptcy is one of the, the one of the few guarantees in law is uh, that if a person goes into a Chapter Thirteen bankruptcy and they're able to complete a plan, they will be able to save their house. It's one of the few guarantees that that law can give. Um, but but the way it works is uh, they they file their bankruptcy and the court issues an automatic. Uh, it's called an automatic stay. It's an order that's automatically entered the instant the bankruptcy is filed that tells creditors to stop trying all collections and it, it's very powerful it applies to, to to repo guys it applies to credit cards to lawyers to judges in state courts even judges in federal courts everything has to stop because of this one order that this judge enters and it can be uh, it can be filed minutes before a foreclosure sale and this foreclosure sale is canceled and uh, that gives the uh, the person filing the bankruptcy time to be able to work something out. And if they're trying to save a house, they file what's called a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. Uh, there are several other reorganization chapters that might work, but often people will file 13. Um, and that's a forced payment plan on their creditor. So they're going to the court. They're saying, I want to I want to get current on my house or I want to save my house. I just don't have 30000 or whatever it is to get caught up right now. And uh, there's two different things they can do. They can force the bank to let them get caught up over five years. So they make a payment to a trustee who in turn would make the house payment uh, and make an extra payment to that creditor every month in order to get caught up. Or they can try modification. Uh, at least here in Orlando, our court has a system where uh, that we can go to the bank and the court will order us to mediate with the bank and try to uh, modify. Or it's, it's, not, it's not quite the same as a uh, refinance, but that's probably the easiest term that people would understand uh, if they haven't done a modification to try to get current on their house that way and work out a deal with the bank. Okay. Now, you said something important. You said force a plan. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean? Are you actually forcing a payment plan on your mortgage company? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. In in that in a Chapter 13 case, a uh, person files a bankruptcy. Uh, usually the same day we file the case, we file a plan. And, and uh, I, I like to describe a Chapter 13 as a forced payment plan on the creditors. The idea is that a person is going to the bankruptcy judge and saying, I only have so much money <laughs> and I want to save my house or my car or whatever it is. And I'll pay my other creditors as much as I can afford, but I only have so much. And so that person goes to the bankruptcy court and they, they uh, disclose a very detailed budget saying, well, here's the cash that I have coming in and here's the expenses I need to pay. Things like uh, their, their utilities or their... Uh, the food and or, or child care stuff like that uh, and that that'll leave a number that's left over and then the plan says well we're going to take that money that's left over and we're going to, f- to uh, file a plan telling a chapter 13 trustee uh, who to pay and so the idea is that the person makes a payment to a chapter 13 trustee every month and that trustee acts they act like a processing center and they will make the house payment the car payment the credit card payments whoever needs to be paid and our plan is telling them who to pay and how much in those details. Okay. Now, um, I've, I've heard this term many times, um, but I know most of our listeners probably don't understand it, but if you could just briefly describe what is a chapter seven versus a chapter 13? Yeah. So chapter seven is liquidation. It's what people think of when they think of a bankruptcy. Uh, the person's going to the judge, they're saying, judge, I can't, I can't pay the bills. Uh, they're asking judges wipe out the unsecured debts in exchange. Uh, the person filing bankruptcy is allowing trustee to be appointed. And by filing, they're allowing that person, that trustee to sell their stuff. So if they have uh, a gold mine or a, or a Lamborghini or something like that, the trustee will be very interested in selling that and giving the money to the creditors. Uh, most people who file Chapter 7 don't have a lot of assets. So by far, most of the cases that we file, a uh, person files, they're not done in four months. They don't lose anything because they don't have anything that uh, a trustee could take. 
uh, Florida law gives uh, people who file bankruptcy a certain amount of exemptions, things that they can keep through a bankruptcy, and that's why people don't lose anything. They just don't have uh, assets that total more than what the exemptions are. Okay. Uh, so now in a, in a 13, I, I assume it's a little different. Yeah, so a 13 is kind of the opposite. Instead of saying you can't pay the bills, you're saying I'd like to pay what I can afford to pay, but I can only do so much. And then we go back to the uh, that, that payment plan that I was talking about, and, and 13 is completely based around that payment plan. Okay. Now, in, in a bankruptcy, does that, like, discharge all of my debts? And I, I know discharge is just a fancy way of saying erasing, but mm-hmm. is it is it discharging all of my debts, or is it just discharging certain types of debts? Discharges most debts. Uh, so the rule of thumb is it's going to discharge something unless there's a law uh, or a statute somewhere that says that uh, the debt is not discharged. Uh, for example, a new tax debt, that would not be discharged because there's a specific statute that says uh, new taxes aren't discharged. But if the tax was really old and the person filing bankruptcy has met certain uh, certain other criteria, then the tax debt might be dischargeable. Uh, another example would be student loans. Uh, right now, they are very, they're not automatically discharged. A person, if they want dis- student loans to get discharged, they'd have to get a separate order saying they're discharged. Uh, and, so, and so that wouldn't automatically be discharged. But... Most other debts are, are discharged. Okay, so what you're saying essentially is that, and I just want to touch base on this, student loans can be discharged. Can you just yeah. briefly describe how that process works? If, yeah, if someone wants to discharge student loans, they'd file the bankruptcy. Uh, so there's, there's different strategies on how to do it. Sometimes people will finish the bankruptcy, let it close, and then later reopen the bankruptcy to try to get the student loans discharged. Sometimes they'll file the case uh, while the, the main bankruptcy case is pending. Usually, the if a person is going to try to discharge student loans, they'll file what's called an adversary proceeding. It's a separate lawsuit in the bankruptcy, in the bankruptcy court, but it gets its own separate case number. And it's handled and tracked as a whole separate lawsuit. Uh, and the, that lawsuit will be filed against the student loan holder, maybe the guarantors. Oftentimes, the Department of Education is in there, and Navient or, or, or one of their other servicers uh, are, are sued. And, and all the person trying to discharge the student loans is asking the court for is an order saying the student loans is discharged. Um, there's, a, there's a test out there called the Bruner test that, uh, that's pretty tough. <laughs> but but uh, they, in order to get that order that they're seeking from the judge, person seeking to discharge the loans would have to meet that test. And if they do, they'll get, their, they'll get the order saying the, the student loans are gone. If they don't, then they won't get that order. Okay, so, so student loans is more like a maybe. What mm-hmm. about like credit cards? Credit cards are almost always discharged. Okay. Uh, there's, there's always exceptions, but the exceptions for credit cards would be fraud or, or, or things like that. Some some action that the person could be involving dishonesty. Uh, and by dishonesty, we're not just saying they can't pay their bills. It, it would have to be they got the loan t- say, telling the lender they were millionaires or had collateral if that was worth this or something like that. Uh, and that would that's one of the only. There's several exceptions, but that's one of the the. What about um, car car loans? Car loans are usually discharged. Yeah. Okay. What about like mortgages? Mortgages are discharged. Um, the debt behind a mortgage is discharged. Uh, mortgages, if a person wants to keep their house, usually they'll they'll take an action in a, in a bankruptcy. Uh, well, here I'm talking about Chapter Seven bankruptcy. So if they're getting their debts wiped out quickly, they say I can't pay the bills. Uh, but a person wants to keep their mortgage or they want to keep their car, uh, then. Uh, then they can sign what's called a special agreement called a reaffirmation agreement, which uh, I tell my clients it's like putting a shield over the debt. So when the judge wipes out all of the other debts, this debt is not discharged, and it's 
the common term for that would be you left it out of the bankruptcy. I don't like that term because it's just horribly, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a horrible term. It's, it's, it's not accurate. What, what people are doing is they're putting their uh, debts in the bankruptcy and protecting it through the bankruptcy. So there's no change after the bankruptcy. Okay. Now, how does bankruptcy in general affect one's credit? Bankruptcy itself hurts a credit score, uh, but it's more complex than that. So while the bankruptcy itself does, is a negative uh, hit to the, to the credit score, uh, the bankruptcy also makes all of the uh, creditors who are were reporting late, late, late every month, makes them say either stop reporting completely or it will make them say closed, discharged in bankruptcy. So a person's credit will usually dip when they file the bankruptcy. And then if they had lots of other trade lines reporting late, 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 late every month, then the credit will spring back up fairly quickly uh, to the point where usually a person can buy a car with a decent interest rate about a year after they file a bankruptcy. And, and I've heard people lately saying that people could buy a house two to three years after bankruptcy with what's going on in the economy now. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how, how it might go back to the normal, which is around three years after bankruptcy. So what happens to, like, for example, um, I have, uh, let's say, a 2018 Toyota Camry that I'm financing. And I've got five years of payments, 16 months of payments to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, Three years in, I decide I can't pay the bill anymore. Not in terms of the car, but I can't pay my other bills. Let's say my credit card bills, and I want to file bankruptcy. What happens to my car then? In Assuming a, I want to keep it. In a Chapter Seven. That's correct. Yes. So we'd file the Chapter Seven bankruptcy. I would tell I, I would tell my client keep making the car payment as if you never filed the bankruptcy. Uh, right after we file, usually within two three weeks. The lender will send me as uh, the attorney. They'll send me that reaffirmation agreement, uh, and the agreement is just saying there was a debt. The payments, uh, the the payoff amount is X, and the payments are Y, uh, and it'll just go through. And the it, it, my client then explains they can afford to make the payments, and assuming that they can, then uh, my client signs off. That's filed with the court, and uh, the fact that it's filed with the court protects that debt from the discharge, so it's not wiped out. Okay. Now, what about, let's say, a, a, a house? I bought a house, a 30-year mortgage, five years in. I can't um, afford my other bills, but I can basically afford my mortgage payment. Um, I decide I want to potentially try and discharge my other bills, my other credit card bills. What happens to my house? Is it the same process as if the, same as the car. vehicle? Yep, same as the car. With, with mortgage lenders... Sometimes my clients need to call the lender and, and ask them for the reaffirmation agreement. The reason for that is the, the law that uh, created a reaffirmation agreement uh, came about in 2005. Well, three years later, the economy collapsed, and it was specifically mortgages that were falling apart where people had a $300,000 loan and a $100,000 house. And guys like me were then telling clients, don't ever sign reaffs on your house. And so what that did is it triggered the mortgage industry to just stop sending the reaffirmation agreements. Uh, so sometimes my clients will have to call the mortgage company and say, I want to sign this agreement, please send it. And they'll almost always send it to me. And uh, my client signs off on it and they keep their house. And they, the more importantly, the mortgage payments that they are making keep, uh, keep reporting to the credit bureau. So it helps, get the, it helps improve their credit score fairly quickly after the bankruptcy. Okay. Now, um, this is a little off-topic question, mm-hmm. but... Lawyers have this negative connotation attached to them when it comes to fees. Um, and, and the biggest concern that consumers generally have is, if I need a lawyer, is it going to cost me X times 
the hourly rate and what is that 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 X. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to bankruptcy, I, I understand it's a little different. It's a fixed price system. Could you just briefly? You don't got to go into details in terms of pricing, but how does it work in the bankruptcy industry? Most, uh, yeah, shoot, most bankruptcy attorneys that I know, myself included, uh, and pretty probably pretty much all bankruptcy attorneys on the consumer side of things, uh, they'll charge just charge a flat fee. So they'll say, well, my fee is fifteen hundred dollars or three thousand dollars or twenty five hundred, whatever it is, uh, and uh, and oftentimes attorneys will just say, well, that's my entire fee, unless you're lying to me. So if a client, if you find out our client has a Lamborghini, then that then uh, then usually will go hourly. But as long as the client's telling the truth, then uh, most attorneys will just say that's a fl- it's a fixed fee. Uh, the client now, there's one twist to that uh, is that the way that the bankruptcy code is set that if if a bankruptcy attorney files the bankruptcy while their client still owes them money, the bankruptcy attorney will discharge himself, which is which brings up ethical problems where the attorney is dis- uh, he, by discharging himself. He's um, he's hurting himself, and it's a conflict of interest with his own client. Uh, so most reputable bankruptcy attorneys will not accept; uh, they will not file the bankruptcy until they're paid in full. Uh, so what most attorneys will do is they'll set up a payment plan and they'll work out the payment plan. Oftentimes, attorneys will at least advise or help their clients uh, in dealing with the creditors up until they can file the bankruptcy. And then once they file the bankruptcy, that stops all collection act- uh, actions, and they're able to go forward. Some bankruptcy attorneys try to get around that uh, problem, uh, but it involves separate separate retainer agreements and uh, many other bankruptcy attorneys, including the U.S. Trustees Program, uh, frown upon that. They think that's sleazy, is what they think. Okay. Now, we're going to play a quick uh, scenario here and see uh, what your thoughts are on, on, on it are. Um, let's say I've got $50,000 in credit card debt, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, and so on. And um, I... I'm not necessarily late on my credit card bills, but the interest is really hurting me. The monthly payments is really, really affecting me. And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, I lost my job. And let's say I can't continue making those payments anymore. Now, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, it'll be a few months before the credit card companies start suing me, essentially, or or filing some sort of a lawsuit against me. Um, How do I prepare myself to best come out of this whole if that makes any sense yeah yeah so if you were going to file bankruptcy in that situation uh i would tell you stop paying all of the unsecured creditors uh with one one exception if you bank at we'll pick a bank out of the blue bank of america and you have debt with bank of america uh i would tell you keep making the minimum payments on that card uh because banks have the ability to just take money out of your account uh but it's only the bank that you bank with but everyone else they would have to sue you uh have you stop paying all of the uh all of your other unsecured creditors selfishly usually that's how I get paid. Is uh, you work out a payment plan with us, and we'd uh, and when you're paid in full, we'd file the case. Uh, but in the meantime, um, you're you're going to start getting lots of credit calls. Uh, oftentimes, it's best to just ignore those. Uh, but it, but firms like myself, we would take those calls as well uh, from the creditors. It takes usually about six months before a credit card company is going to actually send the file out to their attorneys to sue. Oftentimes, people they can pay in full and file the bankruptcy within six months, so no lawsuits are actually filed. Um, and if they are filed, when we file the bankruptcy, they'll stop the lawsuit as well. Okay, so let's say let's say same scenario, but um, I was late on my bills, and they sued me. I got 
notification by a service processor that I'm being sued for, let's say $11,000 American Express. What would be, in your professional opinion, the next step I should take, besides calling you, to make sure that I come out of this hole? I would at least file a response to that lawsuit in, in some way, whether it's just asking for additional documents. Uh, in lawsuits like that, the plaintiff always has the duty to prove its case. Uh, so even if you owe the money, you can always ask for it. It's always ethical to ask for documents and uh, make sure that their numbers are right. Uh, because I've found that most people don't know whether they owe exactly $11,275.35. Uh, but that, that's the number that's on the, on the paperwork. So uh, just by filing the response, that'll buy a little bit of time. And if the bankruptcy could be filed before they, uh, the creditor obtains a judgment, then there'll be no judgment on the credit report or no judgment floating around out there after the bankruptcy that can cause problems. So what, what is a judgment? A judgment in a, in a civil case is the, is the state court judge saying that uh, the defendant owes money, uh, assuming that the that plaintiff wins. Uh, so if American Express is suing me, saying I owe them $11,000 and, and the creditor obtains a judgment, then the judge is now saying that I owe $11,000. It's, it's not specifically in order to pay it right now. There's no time deadlines. But what that judgment does is it allows the creditor to start taking things from me. So they could go to my employer and garnish my wages, or they could freeze my bank account. If I have assets like a nice car, or it's paid off with lots of equity, or a, a Rembrandt or something like that, they, that could be seized and, and sold in order, to, in order to pay the debt. Okay. So I'm being sued. I get served. I owe... Eleven thousand dollars to American Express. What you're essentially saying is that um, I should obviously call you, mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, bankruptcy could potentially solve this problem for me. Yeah. Now, is it always best to file bankruptcy? Is there is there other options when it comes to taking care of that kind of a, let's say, eleven thousand dollar debt? Yeah, yeah. So say say you're making four hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, that could which could cause a problem in in bankruptcies or. Uh, the, the fact that you have such high income would make it so that even if you file a bankruptcy, they'll be paid in full. Uh, in that case, you, in, in, assuming that's your only debt, then you probably don't need a bankruptcy. And what I would, what we could do is we could jump into the case, make sure that uh, by jumping in the case, that means that you, you retain myself or a firm like mine to to take that lawsuit uh, up here in the state court case. And, and assert any state court defenses that you might have. And of course, make sure that the plaintiff has the evidence to, to win. If they do, and which oftentimes they do on a credit card case, then, uh, then we would contact the attorneys on the other side and try to work out a deal. Credit card companies are in the business of lending and, and, and collecting interest. That's what they would prefer to do. Obviously, they will have bad debts that, that come about from time to time, but they would really prefer to just lend money and get money on their interest. And so they would, they, they're often willing to sue for less than less than 100%, especially if my client can come up with a lump sum payment where they're saying, well, okay, uh, I know I owe $11,000. It's probably like 15000 by the time uh, it gets to a lawsuit. And uh, But if I say we'll come up with 8000 or $7,000, and oftentimes creditors will take that because they would rather just have some cash now, move on, and lend money and uh, make money later and just end it. Okay. So um, let's say, very similar scenario, but let's say I'm driving a vehicle that I need for work. Car is financed, and I 
Unfortunately, I'm just not making enough to pay for my car payments. I'm three months behind. My creditor slash lender has not officially started the repossession process. What do I do once they do start the repossession process? Is that something you can help me out with? Yes, as long as they haven't actually taken the car yet. Um, well, there's a 11th Circuit case, which is controlling here in Florida, that pretty much says that once a lender repos a car, title changes, and it's not my client's car anymore. So, but but if a person knows that the that the the repo order is on its way, uh, oftentimes I sit down, I will look with my client, is it is this car even worth keeping? I've got some clients that are making payments of $800 a month on cars that are not 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 uh, exotic cars. And in cases like that, sometimes it's better to file a bankruptcy, let the car go back to the lender, and just buy a new car uh, with a much more reasonable interest rate. There are lenders who will lend to people while they're still in a bankruptcy. Uh, I had one guy, uh, I filed a case on Wednesday or Thursday, and that weekend he went out and bought a new car. Uh, and it was a better deal than what he had had before. But, uh, and so so that's probably the most, the, the, the biggest deal that we see. If a person's doing Chapter 13 bankruptcy, where it's that forced payment plan, uh, then oftentimes we uh, will we will keep the old car rather than buying a new car, and the reason for that is in a Chapter 13 when we're going through and saying well here, here's what we'll pay to the creditors, we have the option of reducing the interest rate to uh, to there's a there's a formula it's like prime plus two or three percent I think it's two to four uh, percent that uh, that we use uh, for a long time it's been around six six point two five maybe seven percent. Uh, that we've been able to reduce it to, which is great if a person has 21% interest, they can reduce the interest to 6%. That's better than any deal they'll get out there outside of a bankruptcy. And often in a 13, they'll keep that. That's why they'll keep that car. Uh, in a Chapter 7, there's one other option. It's called a redemption. I tell my clients it's like refinancing for the value of the vehicle. So in a Chapter 7, the person can file their motion, uh, tell the judge they want to redeem the car. They just have to be able to make one payment to the old lender for the value of the car. Uh, usually, if we're doing that, the fight is over what is the value of the car. Uh, but assuming that we we work out uh, a, a valuation number, uh, then the person has to make one payment to that to the lender, pay off the value of the car. Most people don't have that much cash with their filing Chapter Seven bankruptcy. Uh, but there's a there's a, a company out there called Seven Twenty Two Redemption that will lend money and just give them a new loan on the same car for uh, for a better better price. Uh, and or sometimes people have friends, family members that can help them out. Okay. Now, bankruptcy in general, when it comes to a Chapter 7, what is the process? Like, do I pick up the phone and just dial 1-800-LAWYER, or I mean, I just for shits and giggles, uh, some sort of a lawyer, or do I have to start preparing something on my end? What, what, what is the actual process? What do you mean? Process from... So, I'm being sued. I have a problem. I was, Obviously, I know that I need an attorney. Once I've contacted the attorney what happens next so you contact an attorney most of the time an attorney they'll they'll do a consult where they're getting uh the big picture uh questions how much do you make what is your family size uh, how many cars do you have so maybe some details about the cars are they finance you make models stuff like that uh do you have a house things like that and they're asking those questions because they want to see first uh can a person qualify for a bankruptcy and if so which chapters are best can i get all the details and give some initial advice as to which after might be best. Uh, then a, then a, if a person wants to hire that attorney, then they would uh, sign a retainer, work out a payment plan. Uh, once the payment plan is over, the attorney will usually give them a, uh, uh, what I do is we give a document list and a questionnaire. It's a very short questionnaire asking what their expenses are and their income is. Uh, and I'm sorry, not, uh, they're asking what their expenses are and what their assets are. 
And then they give documents like bank statements, pay stubs, tax returns, stuff like that, uh, which the attorney will then use to prep the bankruptcy documents. And then they'll set a meeting. Uh, for the last long time, we've always insisted on a meeting in person. Now with the uh, this virus going around, we're starting to do meetings over the phone. But that's where we go page by page with the client to make sure that every single uh, every single uh, bit of information in all these pages are correct. And it's about 50 or 60 pages, so uh, it takes a little while, but we go through that and the bankruptcy is filed. That's when they have their protections, when the bankruptcy is actually filed with the court. Okay, so what does that time frame look like? Is that 10 days, 30 days? Uh, so it, it depends. The biggest, uh, the biggest variable is usually how long it takes to pay the attorney. Um, but assuming that the attorney is paid in full and the client has dropped off the documents, at my office it usually takes us a week or two to turn around and be ready to have that meeting with the client. Oftentimes we will uh, we'll file the case that day unless unless we need to wait for a few days. But usually about two weeks later the case is filed. Uh, once the case is filed, then the court's going to set a meeting. It's called a 341 meeting. Uh, it's also called a meeting of credit. It's just different different terms for the same thing. And that's where we go to the bankruptcy courthouse and we talk with the trustee. Trustee in Chapter 7 is the guy who's selling your stuff. Trustee in Chapter 13 is the guy who's making the payments. Or your, well, our client's making payments to that trustee. The trustee's making the uh, secured debt payments. And, uh, and we're just meeting with the trustee to see if there's any issues. Trustee, by that time, has looked over the, the documents and they're looking to see uh, are there problems? Do they have questions about things? If they have problems or questions, they'll bring it up at that meeting. And if not, then the meeting goes very smoothly. Uh, if uh, bankruptcy attorneys have done their job well, usually that meeting takes like 30 seconds <laughs> or maybe maybe a minute at the longest. And um, and then the case continues on from there. Okay. Now, I, I just want to quickly go over when you file bankruptcy. Obviously, it affects your credit rating negatively. How long does it affect your credit rating? The negative hit's a one-time hit the moment you file the case. Uh, it doesn't continue reporting late, 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 like all the old creditors used to. Uh, just it's a one-time hit. Um, but that's where I, what I was saying earlier. It stops the guys who were reporting late every month. So um, so that's why it'll dip quickly and then jump back up. Because, well, yes, the bankruptcy hurt the credit score. It also made everyone who was saying late and hitting and then hurting the credit score every month, make all that stops. If a person keeps some debts like a house or a car or two through a bankruptcy, those will continue to report current, current, current. And uh, that's what that's what makes their, their credit score bounce back up within about a year after the bankruptcy. Okay. Now, um, you said that typically it's about a year after you file bankruptcy before you start getting respectable car financing offers. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years for respectable mortgage offers. Yeah, it's been typically three years for mortgages. Okay. Uh, I heard recently two years back. What about like credit cards? Well, let's say I file bankruptcy today, mm -hmm. and um, I I shouldn't say live off of credit cards because that's what got me in the problem in the first place. But we live in a society where everything is digital. You, you need a credit card. There's just no way around it. Right. So what what happens if I file bankruptcy today and I need a credit card? Like, do I just go apply for one? Will I even get approved? What's going to happen? Just apply for one. Um, I've seen cases where my clients were getting offers from the creditors that they were discharging bankruptcy and they were getting offers before they went to to their meeting of creditors so that means within two or three weeks after filing the bankruptcy they're getting offers from those same credit cards saying we'll be the first in line which is which is odd uh, it's really twisted logic on the creditor's side but the idea is that 
can only file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and get a discharge once every eight years right now. And uh, so the creditor wants to be the first in line with the new card. That way they can get interest should, should a person hold the balance. I tell my clients this. I want them getting 10 credit cards. But it is good to have a credit card because we do live in a digital world. And you really do need a credit card, at least one. Okay. What about a, a secured credit card? I keep hearing about this term called secured credit cards. How mm -hmm. does that really... Let me rephrase that. Can I apply for that after filing bankruptcy? Yeah. Um, how, how does that work? Yeah, so when people, the, the difference between a secured and unsecured credit card is when unsecured credit card, you file an application, card arrives in the mail, and you've got a credit limit of whatever they set. Uh, secured credit card, person goes into a bank, uh, and they'll ask for a secured credit card, fill out the application, uh, but then they'll also cut a check to the bank. Usually it's 500 or $1,000. The bank takes that, holds on to the cash, and in exchange gives them a credit card for 500 or $1,000. So there's no risk at all to the bank. Uh, for most people, that's not necessary, and I don't recommend it if you don't. If you don't, don't go giving your money to a bank to hold on to if you don't need to. But, uh, but for people with very bad credit, I've ha I have um, several clients where their parents took out loans under their name before they, while they were still minors, and so they never have good credit. They're always way behind the eight ball. And for those guys, they have such low credit that they can't get a credit card afterwards. And so that's where a secure credit card is very helpful because there's no risk at all to the bank. If they're going to, they're not going to lose any money because they've got the cash to pay themselves off. They won't lend any more than that. Uh, so uh, the, most people, if they can't get an unsecured, they will be able to get a secure credit card. And that can help rebuild their credit again. Uh, so they have something reporting current, current, current that will give them that good credit score about a year out. Okay. Now, you had mentioned a, 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 a service that you guys offer um, where if I have a credit card bill for, let's say, thousands of dollars, and I don't want to file bankruptcy, um, and I want to somehow negotiate or, or settle with the creditor, mm -hmm. what is that service called? We call it debt defense. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I, I typically won't take a case unless a uh, client's being sued. Uh, but, but assuming that there is a lawsuit and there's a lawyer on the other side, then I call it debt defense. That's where I'm taking that, that civil lawsuit. And uh, we're jumping into the case, seeing if the creditor has evidence, seeing if my, my client has any defenses. Uh, defenses to a credit card are things like uh, offering a, uh, or, uh, yeah, I'm blanking on what the, the uh, things are called. Uh, but a defense would be like it was paid or it's not my debt. So there, there's identity theft. And I, we get several cases of those every year where clients coming in saying, I've never had any credit card with Bank of America. I don't know why I'm getting sued. Uh, things like that. So if they have defenses, we can assert those. If they don't have defenses, then we at least see if there's evidence. And then we can work out a settlement. Okay. What other services do you, do you guys offer? Services. Uh, so at, at your firm? At, yeah, at our firm, we do bankruptcies. We do we do debt defenses. We do some estate planning as well. And uh, a little bit of probate if people die with assets. Okay, well, thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, this is Tejas Law Radio, and we just had Joshua Tejas on, on, our, on our recording here. Um, we will have another episode in about 15 days. Uh, and as always, we are recorded live, no edits. Uh, thank you very much, and my name is Sahil Patel, and take care.